I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. And here tonight, a blessed, truly blessed man of God, with the understanding that the call that is before me is far greater than I could ever imagine. I know last night was a simple yes or no vote, but after last night when they everybody, well, most everybody said yes, I, the reality hit me. It, it, it was, it became larger than, that I could ever imagine. And I'm sure that that feeling will even grow further than what it is, uh, now. And it's an honor to lead, to be a leader to such great people. It is an honor to be a part of such a great and mighty church. And I, I truly stand here tonight uh, proud in a godly way, a godly pride, knowing that I am a leader of such great, powerful people. It is now, and I want you to believe this more than anything, that this hour, it is the greatest hour in church history that we could be a part of the church. I've read the stories in the Old or the New Testament of Peter and Paul and all the great men of God that have went on before us. And they, seeing the Bible, talked about them seeing greater things than Jesus. And it was a great day in the church. And it was in, it was in its infancy. But I believe in the last day, in the latter part, that this church is going to be more powerful, more influential, and greater than it ever has before in the history of man. I, I take great pride in being called in this last hour, even if it was just what we would think uh, of a low usher or uh, a musician. It would, it's the greatest time in our history to be called in this last day. This is the greatest hour that the church has ever known. I recall a story of Winston Churchill. Uh, He was standing before the troops when he made a statement. He said, this is our finest hour. And what he really saw, if you'd study and, and know anything about that speech when he made that statement, reality, the reality of it was that it really wasn't their finest hour visually because he could look out and he could see the men that had been in war and some of them had shot, been shot up so bad that their arms, uh, they lost limbs and they had lost legs and they had so many wounds to their body that they were beaten down, that the enemy, uh, Germany had beat them down uh, mentally and uh, morally in all kinds of ways. But he stood there and he said... This is our finest hour. And he spoke that to them, uh, not because it was so true uh, in the physical realm, but he knew that if he spoke that to them at that time in their moment of what they felt like it was defeat, that they would go out and they would eventually believe it. And I'm telling you tonight that we may in some ways have been beat up. We may have lost some things in our life. But can I tell you, I'm speaking this in the Holy Ghost tonight, that tonight is our finest hour. 
This is the greatest day to be called a child of God. Today is the greatest day to be called apostolic. Yes, I feel overwhelmed. And yes, at times, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you a lie. I fear, feel, I feel fearful. I'm scared to death, Brother Robertson. And yes, I take my own personal walk and my own call very serious. I don't stand up here uh, uh, preaching uh, uh, and taking this uh, position lightly in the pulpit. This is the greatest call that could ever be. Being called to be a servant in the kingdom of God is far greater than being a senator. Being a servant in the kingdom of God is far greater than being a mayor or a congressman or even the president. This is the greatest call. Yes, I'm excited about the accolades and all the, the good things that people said and the people that make you smile and tell me they're proud of me. I was excited and got a call from my mom and dad last night Tell them that they were proud of me. It makes me feel good that my mom and dad look at me and know that they raised their son to the best of their ability. And I'm serving God. But I want to get something straight tonight. I wish the whole church was in here. I want to get something straight. And I want, it to, I want you to hear it and hear it well. This thing is not about me at all. This thing is not about you at all. But this thing is about us as a church. This thing is about God and a bride that's going to make it to heaven one day. And if we ever make it about us, that's when we fall apart. It's not about my call or your call, but it's about us. And we need to be in this last day more unified than we've ever been. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. This is not a time that we go and do our own thing or you have your ministry and I have my ministry and you have your calling and your calling and about your position or my position. I'm not a big guy standing up here. I'm a servant of the Lord. But if we forget that we're not in it to go, we're in it together, then we're going to lose this battle because it takes a church and not pieces of a church. It takes a church. I'm glad that God saw something good in me. I'm glad that God put trust in me to carry on such a great and important job. But this thing, it's not about me. It's not about you. But it's about us. And it's about time that we get to doing what God has called us to do. And that's to be an anointed church. Not a dried up church. Not a dead church. Not a church that was a once upon a time great church. But the greatest church in this last tower. That's a church that worships God in spirit and in truth. It's not time to lay down. It's not time to give up. It's not time to be depressed. But it's time to stand up and be what God called us to be. I'm preaching tonight. I'm just going to preach. 
It's not time to be weak. It's not time to lay down and give up. It's not time to give up just because you failed once in a while. It's time to shake the dust off your feet. Shake the chains off your hand. Pray the chains off your mind. And stand up and be the woman or man of God that God called you to be. He didn't call us to sit on a pew and lollygag. But He called us men and women of God. And it's time that we stand up and be what God has called us to be. I pray tonight that God breathes a breath of air over this church and calls us to be bold in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every uh, every excuse that says we're a once and a has been church. I rebuke every excuse that says that we used to have a great ministry. This is a this is the hour that we're supposed to rise up and be greater than we've ever been. Can someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out and I'm going to tell you right now how it is. The church, the apostolic church, is the only church. It's not one of many. I can't help it. I love, I love people. I, 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 would, I, I, would, I love people. And, and I'm not here to bash religions. But I'm telling you right now that if you don't preach death, burial, and resurrection, which is the way of salvation, then you're telling a lie or you're believing a lie. There's no other way to heaven. And the apostolic church is the only church that preaches death, burial, and resurrection. It's more than just believing. It's more than just a, a, a repentance. But we've got to believe it, every bit of it. We can't go back on it. This is the only church. That's why I'm a part of it. I don't come here just to pass time. I, I don't come here just for an extracurriculum activity in my life. Church is my life. And I'm not going to waste my time. Uh, I'd rather be home doing something else. Uh, but I, I come to a church that believes truth and stands for truth and will preach truth until the day that we die. It's true church. Jesus built this church. And he intended this church to succeed. Men have tried to discredit the truth of it, but they have failed. Men have tried to tear it down for centuries. Many men have died for this truth, but this truth keeps marching on. They've burnt books, tried to destroy the information, or tried to destroy the Bible. But you can't destroy something that's been hid into the hearts and the minds of people of, of the people of God. They'll never discredit it. They can try to tear it down, but they'll never do it. Governments will try to shut our buildings down, but they'll never cease revival. You can rest assured that there will always be a church. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but His Word shall not pass away. And as long as the apostolic church is in this world, we're going to preach truth. Why? Because he's not going to let it falter because he paid too much for it. The Bible says that he purchased this church with his own blood. And you can rest assured that there isn't any force, any government, any man, or any mandate that will ever tear it down. Nobody will ever tear it down because this thing is set in stone. It's forever. And I, I I, I feel a revival spirit. I feel like I'm on the... It's here for the long haul. 
You can't destroy it. You, you, you can speak about bad about it. You can walk out of here and think it's going to fold. But this church will stand here. This, this church has seen bad times. 18 years I've been here, we've had our ups and downs. But it always ends up victorious. People will walk out. People will leave. But it always remains victorious. That's a fact. You can't tear it down. I've seen it over and over. People think, well, I'll walk out. This that church will fold. I'm not going to give them my money anymore. You think God, God owns all of it. God owns what you've got. God owns what I got. And you can guarantee that if if you don't give it, he'll take it some way. And he'll get it some way. But he's going to have a church. And nobody's going to have an effect on it. Whether we're a part of it or not. It's going to be here. And we better... We better do everything we can to build it right. We better do everything we can to represent it right. Just like the ark that God told Noah to build. For years, Noah worked endlessly hours making sure that the ark that God told him to build was to the exact specifications that he wanted. He told him the exact wood. He told him how many windows or how was one window to, to put in the ark. He told him how tall to build it. He told him how wide. He told him how deep and how long. He told him how to do everything. He told him every single detail. And Noah worked tirelessly with everybody walking by him, ridiculing him, trying to tear what he was doing down. His own family, his own people laughed at him. But in his mind, he had made up his, in his mind that regardless what anybody said, because he was re- representing truth, because he was representing the salvation that he was building himself, that he was going to do whatever it took, because he knew that if he, uh, if, if he altered the plan of God, that his salvation, what was supposed to be his salvation, wouldn't carry him through. So he was going to do everything in his power, to do everything that God spoke to him when we uh, when we are in this thing if we're ever going to make it through we better obey every single word of it we better not throw out anything or add to or take it away what's the bible say if we add to or take it or take away that we will be destroyed i refuse to throw out anything and i refuse to add any anything i know that my salvation depends on me obeying everything that's in that word is God's church. Not my church. Not Pastor Robertson's church. Not Doug Horton's church. Not David Fox's church. But this is God's church. So Noah, he'd done everything in his power. His memory. He, was, he, had, he must have written it down. Son, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Write this down. This is the way it's got to be. And I, I could see him. Uh, Dad, I, I want to add this and put that on there. Doesn't that look decorative on that? No, God didn't say put that there. I want you to take it off. Yeah, but it's taken me three days to put it on there. God, and Noah says, I, I don't know where you've been, but God spoke to me here and He told me to do it this way. And you won't be adding anything because if 
you add just one little thing different than what God said to add, this thing won't float. And you'll die and I'll die and the world's finished. Because Noah worked so hard to do what God asked him to do when the rain came and the powerful storms began to tremble. Tremble the earth, the boat that was built by man, but designed by God. It floated. It hit rocks. It hit mountains. It threw them probably all over the place, all those animals in there. Can you get that mental picture that it rained so hard for 40 days, them throwing back and forth? There's going to be times when the rain comes and the the floods come and we're going to be knocked around. But because we build our own salvation, that's exactly what Noah was doing. He was building his own salvation according to the design in which God had given him. No changes. No altering. No adding. No saying, well, this can't hurt. This is the easy way out. I'll just make it this big. Well, it's going to take a few extra days. Uh, But no, he understood that his, his salvation depended on obeying to the exact words. And even though that they were thrown back and forth and and, and beaten around, that boat floated for forty uh, for, uh, through that. Excuse me, all that time it rained for forty days and forty nights, and for all that time that boat never did crumble. That boat never did fall apart. You could hear the creaks and the crack crackles in it, but the boat stayed together, and it was because Noah obeyed the word of God. Directly, exactly. The Bible says that Noah was moved on with fear. Fear. Not, listen to me, he did, he wasn't fearful of dying. But when the Bible says that he was moved on with fear, it means that he was, had a reverence or a respect for the instructions in which God had given him. Down to the exact dimensions, depth, doors, door, window. He was moved on with fear. Say he was moved on with fear. That boat floated regardless because he had a reverence in obeying God's word. God strategically put them on a mountain because of that fear, that God-given fear that Noah had for the Word of God. Now, Philippians 2 and 12 says, tells us, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence work, he said, in my absence, work out your own salvation. With fear and trembling. Now I don't have any scripture that this scripture came from from Noah. But I believe. I believe. I know that word fear in that scripture came from the same word fear that Noah had. He said work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Just like Noah built his salvation with fear. In other words, 
You're going to build your own salvation. You're going to work it out. That does not mean that we can just say, well, for me, all I have to do is believe. Because there's only one plan. There's only one way to God. And that's the door, Jesus Christ. But he said, I want you to be moved with fear. Fear of what? Fear of the instructions in which I built this church. And I, and I want you to build your own salvation. In other words, I want you to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. And I want you to receive the Holy Ghost. But I want you to do it according to the Scripture. And I want you to have fear when you're doing it. I want you to have reverence to the house of God. I want you to have reverence to my Word. And I don't want you to stray from it. Because if you try to alter it, if you try to change it any, you're going to fall. You're going to die. And you're going to go to hell. If you don't do it according to the plans. I know that God is the altar and the finish of our salvation and if God is the author I better obey the book if he's the finisher of my salvation I better build my salvation or work out my own salvation according to the word of God so I, I, I come to this to tell you I wish to goodness there was more people here tonight I've had people ask me well, what are you going to do now that Brother Robertson is, is passing the mantle. What are you going to do now that the, the responsibility is laid in your own lap? I'm not, what are you going to change? I've been asked that umpteen times, not just by people in the church, not very many people in the church, but people on the outside of the church. And you know what I tell them? I tell them he built his salvation according to the Word of God. So why in the world would I change anything? So I said all that to tell you this. If you expect me to change anything, you got another thing coming. My dad preached the same thing you preach. My granddad preached the same thing you preached. And that, 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 the anointing, well, I understand if I don't carry on truth, it'll leave me. If I stray from the battle plan, I know that I'll falter. I'm not gonna do it. I would refuse. I've got friends that walked away. I've got men in my life that I've looked to, that I've sought counsel with over the years, and I've seen them walk away. But I know exactly what, the, what happened to them. They started making excuses, whether it was for their kids, or whatever. But they don't believe in the same salvation I believe in. They started letting down the standards here and there. And all of a sudden, they felt obligated to start accepting everybody else around them. They started accepting everybody else that didn't believe in the same, uh, the ark plans, if you will, that they used to preach. And now, all of a sudden, you can get to heaven if you just believe. You can get to heaven if you just repent. That's hogwash. Only eight people made it in the ark. And it was because they they built this, their, their salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah, there's, there's going to be things maybe I do different as far as the style and leadership. But I'm not going to go back on, on the gospel. There's no other way. There, you, you, you can't get around it. 
Acts 2.38. There's no other way around it. It's the only way. We say, my grandpa didn't do that, and grandma didn't do that. I can't help what they didn't know. I got a grandma, God bless her heart. She loved God, and she was baptized in the titles. Is she going to make it? I don't know. I hope to goodness God reaches down and has mercy or whatever. But I do know this. She didn't uh, obey Acts 2.38. I don't know. That's between her and God. But I know the truth. That I know what's been revealed to me. I know what I stood on. I know what it took for me to get through my bad times and it was this salvation which is the only salvation and I'm not I'm not refused to, 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 to go around it you cannot go around it you have to go through it I'm running out of time I, 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 I said it last night some of y'all wasn't here I believe with all my heart, in a church of separation. I can say it. I have three boys. My youngest is six. I don't let him wear shorts. My son, my oldest son, asked me, he says, Dad, why can't I wear shorts? Why can't I do it? I said, first of all, nobody wants to see your nasty, hairy legs, first of all. I had the Sunday school, I had your kids, your grandkids ask me in the Sunday school class the other day, why is it wrong, why can't I wear shorts? Why can't we do this? Why, why don't we go there? Is it alright? Well, eventually one day if we, uh, I'm just, can we go to the movies one day? They think because you're a passing off, they think I'm gonna. They're asking me. I wonder whose parents they heard that from. What they heard? I'll just tell you right now. When you walk out of a movie theater and they start questioning you, I wonder if he saw the G-rated movie or if he saw the NC-17 chick flick or skin flick or whatever it was. I wonder. I wonder if they saw Disney or if they saw whatever. I don't even know. Thank God I don't know the movies. And then they start questioning what you stand for and what you believe. Do you want that kind of... How many of you have ever been to a movie theater in your life? Come on, I have. I've been to a long time ago. I never witnessed anybody in a movie theater. I never had. To be honest with you, when I went to the movie theater, I wasn't supposed to go. My mom and dad didn't want me to go in. And when I went, about four or five minutes into it, somebody drops the F-bomb. Blankety blank, hey, you want to go to church with me? They look at me and say, why would I want to go to your church? And then I I had to address the, the shorts thing. The Bible says... We've got to be separate. He said, be ye separate, saith the Lord. Don't look like the world. Don't act like the world. Don't talk like the world. Don't think like the world. We're not supposed to be out of the world. We're supposed to be different. The Bible also says, uh, know ye not that your bodies are, a whole, uh, are a temp- the holy temple, excuse me, the temple of the Holy Ghost. So when whatever you put on, whatever you take off, no good and well, 
that your bodies are not yours and whatever you decorate it with, you're decorating the house of God. And if you try to draw attention to any other thing but to God, you're wrong. Bible talks about being modest. So I still believe, I believe what you preach. I'm just letting you know where I stand in case you thought you made a mistake last night. I'm just telling you. See, I don't, I, don't, I don't do this much in my messages because a lot of times we have visitors come in and they don't understand. Somebody that walks in off the street that just, that's on meth or heroin, they're not going to understand why ladies don't cut their hair. And they're not going to understand why ladies don't wear makeup or men don't dress the, this. They don't understand that. So we usually don't bring it up. We try to use uh, wisdom about it. But I'm telling the church tonight that we are separate. We're not like the world. We don't look like the world. We don't act like the world. And the church still has to be separate. How are they going to know us when we go out there? How are, is the world supposed to know us? I see, I grew up with two, my two sisters and my mother. Growing up, I went to a public school and I seen them. I, my sisters were made fun of and laughed at. I, I never forget it. We had a, a guy at our school. Uh, he probably doesn't appreciate me using his name, but I'll use it anyway. Oh, Ryan, he come to our school. He was a drug. He was a drunk. His mom was a bartender and his dad was an alcoholic. I remember them dropping him off from school, the bus driver uh, dropping him off in the evening. And I remember exactly the clothes that he would wear. And then we'd pick him up, we'd, excuse me, drop him off at the bar because his mom was a bartender. He would sleep underneath the pool table. He was a good pool player. You didn't want to play pool with him. He'd destroy you. Ten and twelve years old. That's all he did. He spent his life in a pool hall and a, and a, and a beer joint. And he used to make fun of us so bad and he, he, he harassed my sisters. And I remember the bus driver would come and pick him up, and his clothes would be all ratted, and he'd smell like alcohol, 15, 16 years old, and walk out of that, that, that bar in the morning because that's where his mom stayed. And I remember him coming, and he was hungry all the time, and he was always in trouble. And I remember he was just constantly lashing out to, to especially my sisters, because they, they wore skirts and had long hair. And, and he ridiculed us, and I couldn't stand Ryan Morgan. I couldn't stand him. I wanted to beat his face in. I, I'll never forget it. One day I got sick. I was at, at the church, and I had to walk home. It was two miles from the house. I was practicing at the church music, and I got sick, and I was coming, coming home. And every three or four minutes, I would get sick on the side of the road. I had to come down with the flu. And him and another guy, who was playing basketball, and they seen me. And they come over, and they beat me in the, in the road. They stomped my face in the road, stomped me until I was bloody. I couldn't stand him. I remember one night he came into the church, to our church, him and another guy. They come into our church. My dad had to haul him out of there and kick him out and call the police because they brought a baseball bat in there because he started beating the pews of our church. I couldn't stand him. I probably had every right to bust his head. But I'll never forget one night he came in church and I seen my dad. He, he got all nervous because Orion come into the church. He thought he was going to have to haul him out. But I'll never forget it. When he clawed his way down to an altar. 
And God filled him with the Holy Ghost. My dad took him out in the winter time, and they had to bust the ice off the off the lake to baptize him because we didn't have a baptismal tank. And he went on to uh, Urshan School of Graduate School, and he graduated. And him and Matt Maddox were the ones that was standing there in the streets of St. Louis, uh, preaching the gospel and baptizing people. And I asked him a while later, or he come up and told me. He said, "Man, I told him. I said, man, why, what made you come here? Why you hated us?" He said, "I did." He said, "I didn't hate you." He said, "I." I I didn't like, he said, I didn't like being around you. He said, because I felt convicted. He said, I laughed at your sisters because they looked like they did. He said, but I'm going to be honest with you. He said, I only done it because I envied you. He said, I only did it because I wanted your life. He said, I only did it because I thought you were holy. He said, and I had nothing. He said, it was because your sisters and their separation that made me feel like I needed this. That's why I'm in the church. So don't tell me that separation isn't good. Don't tell me that it's out of style and we need to throw it away because it's still right. It's our way into people's life. It's our witness. Don't ever be disappointed, ladies, when you have to walk out of your house looking different. Don't ever be embarrassed because that's a God-given holiness thing. It'll draw people. It'll chase out devils. It is right to be holy. It's right to be holy. Hallelujah. I could preach on, but I'm, I'm going to end up quitting here. Let's stand. I believe it. Till the day I die. When I backslid, when I, when I left the church, when I was doing my, the stupid junk that I was doing outside the church when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, I was running from the call of the ministry. I pulled no punches with people telling them how to get to heaven. I've made no excuses. I was going to hell, but I knew truth. I know this is an odd statement, but if you backslid today, I hope to God that you know truth so so much. I hope you're married to truth so much that you never walk away or deviate from the truth, even though your actions may say different. That's the only thing that brought me back was the power of truth, the power of holiness. It's the only thing. And I pray to God that you and I, all of us together can stand for truth in this last day when it's not, even, it's not popular. Unfortunately, it's not even popular in some of our apostolic churches. It's a sad day when you go up to the camp and you got boys that act like girls. That's a whole different message. I seen I went to the camp and seen boys putting clear fingernail polish on their toes. It seeped into our churches. And it, that those kind of churches will falter. They will fail. People and men of God that put up with that don't have backbones. And I thank God for men of God in our lives that have backbones. That will tell the truth. Even though they got good tithe pairs that walk out of their church. I thank God for men in my life. I thank God for the elders of our churches because they stand for truth. Is Brother Jack here? I come into the other night, the other day, and he said, he said, he always, he said, man, you're good looking. I said, man, with all due respect, Brother Jack, you got bad eyes. Hey, he's probably telling some of the truth. He probably thinks so. Then he, I said, no, I said, you, you, you're a good man. I said, you look good. He goes, he, 
it broke my heart. He goes, well, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, I feel worthless at times. And I said, oh, no. I said, if it wasn't for men like you paving the way, and women like your wife and the pillars of this church, we would be in a world of mess. For people that like him that have stood the test of time even when it was easy to walk away and quit when people laughed at them. We need to give our pillars in our church honor and be thankful for them and take the time for them because they're the reason why we're here. They are. Jesus name. Let's always let's always stand for truth. Like he Reverend said the other night, buy the truth and sell it not. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we love truth. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. God bless you. Shake someone's hand. In Jesus name, you're dismissed.